Hello and welcome to Volley MD with your hosts, Mark and Drew. How's hey, it going today, hey guys? Drew? It's going good. Going good. I'm ready for another episode. Got some juicy topics here. Couple juicy topics. Uh, we're into episode three, uh, rocking and rolling. We're we're getting some good content out for you guys here. So, um, Drew's got our first topic today. All right, guys. We are going to talk about a five-one versus a six-two offense today, and what you guys run, what we run. Uh, I think it's something we think about all the time as coaches. Um, club volleyball situation versus school volleyball situations are different and how all that uh, comes together. So um, I think one of the biggest things we want to start off talking about with this topic is we had a, a 14 team last year, something that worked really well for us. Um, we had two strong setters. Actually, we had three setters. Uh, we started out with one girl setting, but we eventually moved her more to a right side position. Um, but we ran a 6-2 uh, with uh, one of the setters we subbed uh, for that right side hitter and the other setter we played all the way around. And having that consistency with having those setters, um, those two setters uh, was fantastic. I mean, we, we've, we've all seen it where, you know, some teams, they have one good setter and then they have one bad setter and how that affects the offense, you know? Um, and so a lot of coaches are, are mindful. I know I am, especially with my players on the sideline and how that six, two and playing time comes together with, uh, getting, being able to get kids in. Um, I know with a five, one, it's a lot harder to take 11 kids and get them all on the court uh, because you've got a setter that plays all the way around. Well, before you move on, Drew, let's yeah. let's talk about the differences. I don't think uh, yeah. with some of the, the newer coaches that might be listening, we uh, might not know the differences between a 5-1 and a 6-2. So what, what are some of the differences for you? Sure. Um, so one of the biggest differences for me with a five, one setter, okay. You, you've got one setter and then you've got five hitters. So we're having the consistency of the one setter and she's always setting the ball. Um, you know, how a coach deals with their setter, taking the first ball is different for us. And this is kind of what I was about to get into. We would use, um, our setter taking the first ball and she would put it to right front where our other setter would be. And she could set the ball or she could jump and dump, or she could jump and attack. And we would have a ball coming from more of an in-system position versus an out-of-system position. And that worked really well for us last year. Um, we did a run a 5-1, but having a setter that played front row, we could do that. Um, when you're running a 5-1, a if you have a right side up there, she either can set or she can't set. If she can't set, now we've got to go to the libero, who is setting the ball from the back row and she's giving an out of system set to the pin hitters. So a six, two, uh, five, one, either way, you've got to decide who's taking that second ball. And I think that's, um, you know, it, it definitely changes your offense and how your hitters, uh, attack the ball. And I think some teams have more success one way. Some teams have more success another way. I know for us, Last year, we had a lot of success delivering that ball from the right front versus the back row. So um, any thoughts you got on that? <clears throat> well, I want to preface by saying this was my first time 
taking three setters and actually utilizing three setters. Um, We, you know, to preface it also, we ended up winning, uh, and this was club club season, we ended up winning the Orlando National Qualifier. It was the Sunshine Classic, uh, a big tournament, a lot of good teams, and our team really came together in that tournament. And it was this system that we utilized uh, that really helped us out a lot. Uh, along with developing some other things that uh, we did along the season with our with our outsides, but um, I think a lot of a lot of club teams you're going to find that they they're, they're going to run that six two, and a six two is essentially you're running three front row hitters with one back row setter, and then when you get into rotations four five and six, you're running a completely different setter with new hitters. So um, right. you know always a back row setter, and so with us we did have a six two with a 5-1 capability. So I think uh, a couple things you got to keep in mind with us, we didn't really run the slide too much, but that is a, a potential opportunity in in that front front row setter uh, out option. And so if the if the front row setter is taking the ball, you have your ability to run your middles on a on an A, a C, which is those quicker sets in the front and back, and then a slide. And then uh, for us, what really helped is our outside hitters were very strong. So we were able to set them a lot of the time and even get the back yeah. row involved. So I think, you know, you have a lot of options there. Uh, but what I, I really enjoyed about it is I'm, I'm big on uh, allowing the setter to, to dump uh, with the one hand, right? So normally as a back row setter, you can't attack the ball above the tape. Well, as a front row setter, you can do a, a, very, uh, a varying amount of things. You can tip with your left hand to the middle. You can, you know, maneuver it with your right hand mm-hmm. to zones two and four. Um, you can even turn around and hit it, which I think we we developed with our hitter. You know, a lefty would be great, but we had two, we had three righties, so uh, they were still able to be athletic and turn around and hit that ball. So uh, I like that option. I think it's a very valuable thing to potentially have. Um, one other thing on that is, you know, if you do have your libero taking the ball uh, in left back. Uh, there, they can hand set it behind the 10 foot line, or they have to bump set it, uh, in front of the 10 foot line. And if you're doing it behind the 10 foot line, your hitters have got to be really good at, at an out of system attack. Uh, and your libero has to get them virtually on the net to be able to get a kill. So I think that's very hard to do if you don't have Mm -hmm. a good libero putting the ball where it needs to be and good pins to be able to attack it strong. Yeah. I, I think it's worth mentioning that you know, back in the day, we didn't ever use our back row. Well, before there was a libero <laughs> and even, even when they did introduce libero at some point, uh, we came along with this. Someone came along with the idea of, Hey, let's let our libero or our back row player take the second ball and set it out of system ball. Back in the day, we didn't do that. We just passed a right front, right front set and use those two hitters. And, what we're seeing is now, especially in club, a lot of more teams are going to a five one where they're using that right front as a, as a backup setter essentially. And when the setter's front row, you know, she's able to, like you said, jump, dump, attack, be more of an offensive setter. I think once that you're seeing at the higher level volleyball, like in college and then like even professional that setter will go up and jump, jump and act like they're about to swing with everything they got. And then they'll deliver a ball to the outside or the middle, and then it'll draw that block early. And then the hitters will just kill it because 
you can fake like you're going to attack and then you can go and set a ball. And even at the lower level, like not lower level, but our club players that are younger, I I'm starting to teach that like jump, act like you're going to hit it and then just, just throw up a little quick set to the middle and let them, let them go swing. They're, they're good enough. They can do that. And little things like that can make a big difference in your offense. It can give you extra points. Uh, I just, I feel like if you've got the athletes that can do it, I think it's an advantage over the six, two, um, the six, two system, you know, especially with the, the set coming from the libero or the, the back row player, you, like you said, you've got to have good pins that can hit an out of system ball. And the younger players are typically not as good at that as the older, more experienced players are. So that becomes a challenge. Uh, I like a ball that's being delivered from the front row setter versus uh, a back row player, you know, essentially bump setting a ball that's high and off the net. So if you have that capability, I think, I think it's an advantage to teach your, teach your right sides to set. And then when you're front row with your setter, you have a lot, you have more options offensively um, to, to do if you teach them the more advanced skills. Um, they can also obviously set those two players and that sets coming from in system versus out of system. And I think that's a huge advantage. You're outside. Do you want to hit a ball that's coming 15 feet over the net or from three feet off the net? It is a big deal. So uh, I'm a fan of the five one. I say it wins, but what do you say, Mark? <laughs> I think, you know, us running the six, two last year uh, with that front row setter as an option was valuable. And I think, you know, more teams could potentially think about taking three setters. You know, it might do a little disservice to the other setter that might not get many touches, or it might, you know, help out a player that is interested in possibly setting um, on the right side. Because again, utilizing her more than, you know, cause she doesn't really serve as much or, you know, might just be a, a front row player. But I think um, I, I enjoy the 5-1 option. So for school volleyball right now, we run virtually a 5-1 option right now and it works for us because we do include the slide i like the slide approach for our middles it spreads out the block a little bit more instead of isolating it in the middle on the outside um and i think you have to have a backup though if your setter is struggling uh, or maybe you guys can't get a side out then maybe you have your right side come up and and essentially run a six two in one rotation because you know it'll be more valuable than a, a five one in that scenario i think you have to train multiple um, variations and and not just stick to one plan. But uh, this year in club, we're going to mostly a five one, and I think it's going to be very helpful for us. Yeah, I think if you're a new coach and like a lot of this is just foreign language coming out of our mouths right now, I think the best thing is is to get get with get be, become an assistant, get with a coach that can show you the variations on the court, different patterns in your serve receive and how you can move setters up, pull them back, do those things where um, you're going to be able to learn how to use players uh, in multiple ways, like you're saying, because you can't get stuck. That's the biggest thing. You can't get stuck with without any options in a game. So learning these systems, there's variations in, in all of them that you can do. So um it's a lot of it's it's a lot of information and it's a lot of knowledge that's developed over time, and I think even now I'm still learning some different patterns, some like patterns in serve receive and just different things you can do with the five one. 
Um, like if your setters front row, you, you don't just have to put them in those three players in the same place. You can stack them left. You can stack them right. You can actually pull your setter back and make it, make them look like they're, you know, their back row. And then they can jump and jump and swing on a second ball, just different things you can do, um, to make it more tricky and, and give the other team a different look. So I think that's huge. Yeah. Being able to utilize, um, your knowledge of the rule book and understanding of rotations, uh, to exactly if, if you, if you, if the other team thinks your, your setters back row, they're not going to go up with her. And I right. think if she's front row and has that, that disguise, then she can utilize that, that dump attack a little bit more strong and, and more to her advantage. So, uh, definitely experienced coaches are going to be able to utilize that a bit better, but it's definitely valuable to look into and understanding rotations and what you can do with them. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question before we move on. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. What do you feel is the best setter dump? <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot here, but the best what do you setter think? dump. Yeah. Uh, what do so you like the best? I really enjoy, man, this is a tricky question because <laughs> in my mind, as a front row setter, you have probably four setter attacks, maybe five if you hit. So if you have yeah. a lefty, I mean, my, my best attack is going to be the lefty swing, right? Yeah. Um, I like when they go up and they fake that they're going to set and dump hard to the middle with their left hand. Yeah. I think if, but you can only do that if the other middle does not go up with you. Right. Right. But you have an option to tip it deep corner into five. You have a, yeah. a tip to two or four. But uh, I think a strong setter that has good court vision will be able to, to get that ball forced down to the middle and be a perfect dump. Yeah. And that's like, that's like all of like our, every coach's dream is to have a six foot two <laughs> lefty setter. Right. Cause it's harder to train that as a right-handed player, you know, to go up and then use that left hand. I mean, we train it and they get setters get good at it that are right-handed, but it's not as easy to do as a lefty. And if you have a lefty setter, they can go up and they can, use that swing that arm swing it's probably the the best combination right there you could actually get as a as a setter that's that can t that's tall that can jump and swing um and as a right-handed player we can still do those things it's just harder it's more challenging but uh yeah that setter dump is um uh, use it it's i think for for coaches, uh, challenger setters to use those those uh, corners sometimes are open, but the dump to the middle for me that's the one. It scores. It scores over and over and over because that base positioning for the other team if they're not up and they're not ready, you're going to score on that, right? So jump, dump. If you're back row, still use it. Throw a few in there and uh, and score a lot of a lot of points. Two to three points a game. I think you can get on every team just about. I don't know about you, Drew. What frustrates me is when our middles who should be talking about <laughs> set her up or set her down doesn't realize who is up or down up. and they yeah. still jump with the jump with the setter. I know. You know. If they don't know a setter's front row and they're jumping with them and a good setter's delivering that ball to the middle, she's gonna have an open net. Yep. And uh, you know, we're gonna touch on communication here in a minute, but I think just understanding that as well with your with your team if you know a setter's running a 5-1 talking to them making sure that they know is the setter live can she do yeah. different things or is she back row and she can't yeah. can't do a lot of those things but i'm just gonna say one more thing i know you're ready to move on but <laughs> it's it is such an advantage i mean if you have a setter that 
can jump set in the front row, they can go up and jump set. That middle's got to stay with that player a little bit longer or their left. A lot of coaches will use the, the left front to block the setter, but let's say the pass is in the middle of the court. The left front's not going to be there, right? So the, the, it's, that's more on the middle. And they've got to see her as a threat and they've got to stay with her because all you got to do is have her jump up and, and swing or dump a few times. And now they know she's a threat. She has to stay with that player longer, which opens up your your outside or your pin attacks um, tremendously. And then that is a, that is another huge advantage. So I love that strategy, Drew. Yeah. And I, right now I work with a, a young man right now and he, he's on our uh, 16s team uh, and he's learning how to hit with his left hand. He's a righty and he's learning how to hit with his left hand. And I think uh, as you get older and you know, you're going to be a setter that's essentially going to run a five, one option, then train it. You know, if, if he can sure. hit with the left hand and hit it with velocity, um, he's going to be a, a threat. So I think just one more uh, to touch on with this system is just understanding maybe all of the all of the systems and finding what best fits your team. I think with younger teams, we see a lot of um, good success with a 4-2. And, you know, just hinting on a 4-2 is really when the setter is setting front row predominantly and they're setting from the right side. Uh, to a middle or to an outside. And then when the, that setter goes back row, for instance, they're either going to get subbed out or stay, but really the front row setter is the only option. So a 4-2 is having two set, two hitters in the front row, one setter in the front row. Mm -hmm. uh, but having two setters, when, when the other setter comes to the front yeah. row, they're doing the same thing. And then a 5-2 is, is similar, but you're basically having one setter set three rotations from the back row, with three hitters in the front row, and then one setter coming into the front row, setting two hitters. So there's different variations, and I think it's worth exploring. Yeah, uh, they're again. subbing for each other. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah, and we've 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 used that before as well, and that is that's a that's a good system. And I think with the four two, it's a good way to introduce to very young players, like maybe a twelves team or a elevens team. Hey, here's how you you set from the front row. You know, teach them how to set from the front row first, and then you know, you can move them back to the back row and if you, a six, two is an option or, um, maybe even a five, two or where, whatever you want to go, for, go with from there. So well, that was good. That was a great topic, Drew. Um, so I want to go, go to my topic. Uh, now it's, uh, communication. All right. Uh, is it worth teaching? Uh, how much do you teach it and how much do your, does your team do it right now? I think some teams might do it uh, as an instinct, uh, some players might do it as, as an instinct right now. We're kind of having a little bit of a struggle, uh, with our team this year, as far as communication goes, they're a very skilled team. We have a lot of good players, but, uh, the communication is a little lacking. What do you think? Yeah, I think we maybe touched on this just a hair in the last, uh, podcast, but yeah, our 14s club team right now, we've got a lot of potential with this team. They have a lot of, uh, a lot of skills. They're extremely um, motivated players. I think uh, what the only thing that's holding them back right now, and it's it is very early in the season. That is one of the things. Like a lot of the younger players are more timid at first, um, and then the more they get to know each other, and more they play together, the lot you know usually the more they trust each other, and the louder they get, and they they learn to play together better. But I am huge on communication. I think. For me, my expectations are uh, 
you get on the court and you're either a loud player or you're hurting your team because quiet teams don't win consistently. Uh, I think we've all seen that coaches know that communication is super important in order to work together on court during plays, after plays, before plays, we have to make sure that that communication is constantly flowing. And I think a lot of times, like right, right now with our players, they, they think they're talking, but they're, they're quiet talking. That's what I call it. You know, they're, they're, I can't hear them from the sideline. Basically. I want to be able to hear you from the sideline over where I'm at as a coach. And if I can hear you, I know you're loud enough. So I think it's, extremely important to teach your players to be loud and where I think that affects things the most is um, defensively keeping balls up off the floor because when people don't talk balls drop and then offensively if hitters call their sets you're you know as a setter that hitter's ready she's ready to go get the ball you know what I mean and what drives me nuts as a coach is they kick out they do all the work and then they don't say a word and then that setter doesn't set them. And then if you would have set that player, we would have just killed that ball. You know, that would have been our point. So I think the biggest thing there is that your hitters play aggressive and they talk aggressive. They constantly call for the ball. And I will, I will tell my players every single time, you know, Oh, they say, Oh, did I get, I didn't get set. I didn't get set. Well, did you call loudly for the ball? And then they look at me like, Oh, I forgot. And so you have to constantly remind your players, call for the ball, call for it. And, then when that ball gets set to you, you'll be ready for it. You know that it's yours and you're going to go get it and you're probably going to put that ball away. So anyway, some thoughts there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think a case in point last year, our middles for our 14s teams did not get set very much. Right. And to be fair, I don't know if they called it very much. Uh, I think they have a, a range of, I know the uh, answer to sets. that. <laughs> the answer is no, they did not. <laughs> not, not really. And I think middles have a have probably the most the biggest job of of calling the ball because if yeah. you're calling it and you're going in strong, you're going to sell that you're going to get hit. And and if that ball goes to the outside or right side, you're going to leave with your pins with a one on one block, which is your job. I think you've got to do your job and call call for your set, be loud, and you know sell that you're going to get a hit. I think outsides don't do a great job of calling a different set if they're not ready and kicked out. I think, you know, yes, they can call their their outside set, whatever it is, a one, a four, a five, whatever you guys call it. But I think if they're not kicked out and they know they're not kicked out, they've got to call an inside set. We, right. we run a 32 and I think it's a valuable set and I think they need to call it nice and loud uh, in, in that area too. But, uh, you know, there's, there's multiple ways to communicate on the court and, um, I think if your team has a good chemistry, they're going to start trusting each other. And if balls start dropping uh, where both people have called it, for instance, mm -hmm. and nobody's backing off and then eventually they back off, it's just hard. So I think you got to trust your teammates and um, building trust doesn't just happen. You got to, you know, encourage your team to do team building activities, to do uh, icebreaker activities perhaps, and just get them talking initially there. But um, I'm, I'm big on communication, but I'm also, I think we, uh, Drew and I talked the other day about uh, clean air and, uh, and dirty air, right? I, I don't like a whole lot of noise coming out of you over and over and over again. 
And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of things you can say, but there are some things that you probably don't need to say over and over. Yeah. But there's different philosophies. I think uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think what we end up seeing a lot, especially with the younger players is that's not as much likely to happen because they usually are more timid to talk. You get every once in a while you get that one player who's like the annoying talker. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. They just, they're running their mouth. with is a bunch of mumbo jumbo, right? They're not really saying anything. Yeah. Like really try to focus your, your talk on the court during the play being things that you see. It's going to be a tip. It's going to be a roll. Um, two blockers with, you know, one blocker swing cross, very specific, specific things, call each other's names out. Hey, um, you know, Abby, go, go, go your ball, you know, things like that. Being specific with your talk. I, I really like, um, my kids to be specific about the things that they're talking about. Um, what I tell them is call what you see, what you see is, is on the game during when the game is happening is, is what you're, what you're calling, what you're talking about. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, I wanted to bring up about on this topic was, you know, giving your, your setters feedback as hitters, that is huge. I think for new coaches, especially get your team in a, in a, you know, in a huddle. And, and that's something you want to talk about as a group about, Hey, I tell my kids all the time, make sure you're, you're giving that feedback to your setter. If it's a great set, tell them that's it. That's it. That was a great set. You know, cause setters, they, they really need to hear that. They don't, cause they get, they make great sets all the time and nobody says anything. Right. So we want to give them that good feedback. And then if the set's not where they need it, Hey, can you get me here? Um, can you get me a little more off? Can you get me a little tighter? Can you get me a little more inside? Uh, that talk is so valuable for hitters and setters connections because, if you don't have that, the same thing is just going to keep happening over and over and over again. So work with your, work with your kids on that. It really makes a difference in that, uh, avenue of, of communication, um, with, with offense. It really, um, will help your players get connected better at the net. So, yes, encourage them to talk. I think, uh, just a couple more thoughts to end this, this topic here. Um, you know, uh, a quiet player is a selfish player. You know, they're purposely not talking and not being engaged. So I think a loud player is engaged and active. If you're active, but you're not passing, you're still talking. You're helping your teammate. Is the ball in? Is it out? Is it short? Is it deep? There's a lot of things you can say to help out a player if you're not passing. And I think yeah. if you know where the ball's going, but maybe the other player's not great at reading, that's where you help them out. Um, middles and setters talking about is the setter up is the setter down are they live can they hit uh how many hitters do you have if you have a setter that's running a 5-1 like we talked about are there three hitters are there two hitters knowing sure. where the best hitters are so a lot of stuff you can talk about uh encourage your players to talk and uh you know it's a skill that they have to develop it's not just an instinct for some so give them time but encourage them to talk 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 and put it into practice Absolutely. And I will wrap it up with one more thing uh, on this topic. Communication as a coach. You know, during the games, this is what's so important. I like to give my players constant feedback on, hey, your tip's open here. Deep cross court on your swing. Setter, let's make sure we're faking this and then going here. Um, you know, those players 
how much do they look to you? Or are you just sitting on the sideline, just letting your kids play the game? I, for me, I'm the type of coach I try to, I feel like I'm in the game with them sometimes and not to the point to where it's like overbearing for them, but I do want to try to help them through those situations. Like, Hey, look for this because this is open, you know? And then they, they go, Oh yeah. And then they see it. And when they do it, it's like, you just, you just won the gold medal. You know, it's, it's so important that you work with your kids along the way through the game because you can help them as a coach so much. I will even talk to my kids during a play. Like if the setters drop them way back on my outside, I'll say, Hey, Hey, tips open, tips open, you know, during the middle of the play. And then they, and if they go in and make that tip and it scores, that girl will look at you and go, Oh man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and you can stay engaged with your team during a play, after a play, before a play, just like the kids can. You're just not on the court, but just work with your kids, communicate with them. You know, it's, uh, and that, I love that part of it. It, it makes the game more fun for me, but, um, yeah, this has been a great topic, Mark. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Just one. I think, uh, just like you said about engaging with your players, I think we can also encourage players on the sideline to, to talk and even just understand what the hitter's doing and maybe yeah. keep them engaged on the sideline. So, uh, yeah, great episode. Uh, you know, I learn a little bit more every time we do this. It's fun to, to chat about these topics and uh, help you guys learn a little bit more about the game that we love. Um, but, yeah. So next time we see you guys, we should be in the middle of playoffs. So, Absolutely. Good luck to you guys out there, and uh, we'll give you the update soon. All right. Talk to you later.